Hello, I'm Nick Park, and I want to welcome you to episode 15 of the Evangelical Shanaki podcast. For the next 30 minutes or so, uh, we are going to be focusing particularly on evangelism and the ministry of the evangelist. That is because just five days ago, evangelist Reinhard Bonke uh, went to be with the Lord. As a young Christian, uh, two names that I heard so often were those of Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonke. And of course, both of them have passed into eternity in the last two years. Uh, Billy Graham in 2018 at the age of 99 years of age and Reinhard Bonke last week at 79 years of age. But in terms of the number of people that they led to the Lord, these two men were probably the most prolific evangelists so far in the history of the Christian church. Two very different people from two very different backgrounds. Billy Graham, of course, was a Southern Baptist. Uh, Reinhard Bonnke was a, a Pentecostal. But both of them were got, had the opportunity to declare the gospel in literally in, in front of millions and millions of people and, and lead, leading, uh, leading millions of people to Christ as well. Later on in this podcast, we are going to be having an interview with an evangelist here in Ireland, Mitch, uh, Keith Mitchell, who, uh, who was inspired and called to the ministry of the evangelist as a result of Reinhard Bonke. One of the things that I particularly admired about Reinhard Bonke, he did not just see the ministry of the evangelist as preaching the gospel to people or leading as many people as possible to Christ, but he also saw the ministry of the evangelist as being raising up others to reach others for Christ. And that is, of course, the biblical definition of the gift of an evangelist. If, uh, if we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it speaks about several ministries, including the evangelist and the pastor, and saying that their purpose is to prepare the saints for the work of the ministry. One of my favorite stories about evangelists is the evangelist who was um, working very hard to win people for Christ. He would go out, he would knock on doors, he would preach on the street. And here and there, he was leading a few people to Jesus, but not having the effectiveness that he really wanted to have. And one night he had a dream. And in this dream, uh, he, he was standing in front of a burning building. It was an apartment block. He could see people trapped in the burning apartments and wondering how on earth he could save them because as he looked down, he was holding one bucket of water in his hands. And then in his dream, he looked behind him and he saw the fire brigade. He could see all these firefighters with their ladders and hoses and all their equipment and everything else. And the, and the firefighters were all fast asleep. And then in his dream, he heard a voice that simply said, on which direction are you going to throw your bucket of water? Are you going to throw your one bucket of water at a burning tower block where it, it'll probably achieve nothing? Or are you going to throw your bucket of water over a sleeping fire brigade in order to wake them up? In relation to evangelism, it's not an either 
or situation. The evangelist declares the gospel to those who do not yet know Jesus, but the evangelist also raises up others. I am so glad not just that Reinhard Bonnke was used by God to preach the gospel to millions of people, but also that he built a ministry, Christ for All Nations, that is still reaching millions of people for Christ. Young man Daniel Kalenda is now leading that ministry and leading it with anointing and, and power of God. Uh, there are other evangelists, such as he, Mitch, that we will be talking to shortly, but so many others. Bonke would hold fire conferences in many parts of the world, mainly in Africa, but also in other places as well. And he would, uh, he would equip and he would teach and he would inspire and raise up many other men and women to go out and to preach the gospel. And so today, I just want to give a huge thank you to Billy Graham and to Reinhard Bonke for the difference that they have made to the Christian church, for the many, many people that they have brought into the kingdom. But I also want to acknowledge Bonke's work in particular in raising up uh, so many more evangelists that are still at work today. Recording the Evangelical Shanaki podcast is a glamorous thing indeed. Right now I'm sat in cramped in a car with Mitch from Crown Jesus Ministries <laughs> in a car park on the outskirts of Belfast. Mitch, welcome to the Evangelical Shanaki podcast. Great. Thanks very much for having us along. Now, a lot of people have heard about you and the evangelistic ministry that you're involved in, but I believe that you used to be a firefighter, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, was, uh, I grew up in, in Belfast. And uh, at 19 years of age, I was, I was unemployed. I, was, I wasn't miserable, but I, in fact, I would say I was happy, but I wasn't complete. Um, that started a faith journey. And uh, after I came to faith, I prayed that uh, I would get a job. And lo and behold, I ended up with three jobs. I was a fitness instructor and a lifeguard. I was working uh, too many hours a week. And I, I seen a job advertised for the fire service. I didn't dream of being a firefighter when I was a kid, but... Uh, if I'm honest, it was the uh, it was the leaf pattern attracted me to the job. It was four on, four off. So I thought, hey, I'll give this a go. And there was about like 4,200 people applied for the job. And surprisingly, I got it into the last uh, 24, 25 who were selected. So I, uh, I served 16 years in the Northern Ireland Fire and Rescue Service. It was, uh, it was good fun, but there came a time when I had better things to do and I moved on. So how did you get involved in an evangelistic ministry? Yeah, you know, great question. So, uh, whenever I first became a Christian, um, and, and some people say, you know, that if you're birthed, for want of a better term, by an evangelist, there's something of that kind of ends up in your DNA. So, uh, I was at an outreach event where my brother had uh, came back from playing professional football for Ipswich Town, if, if you can call that professional football. He uh, was playing for a local Irish league club. He was a Christian and he was sharing his story at a local church, along with a guy called Stephen Baxter, who now manages Crusaders FC. I have met Stephen, yeah. And a guy called Roger Carswell from Leeds, an evangelist, he was speaking. I have no idea what, what he actually said on the night. I don't recall a single thing that he said, but I knew that throughout the, uh, the, the service that the, uh, I wasn't complete. Mm -hmm. I took a little booklet afterwards called The Journey into Life by Norman Warren in the quietness of my own room. I read the booklet, I prayed the prayer um, and I knew that this is what I needed to do that, that Jesus was the son of God he died for my sin and I needed to make a response to that that, that he could give me hope and a future 
And so not long after that, to sort of answer the question, someone asked me would I share my story. Um, I wasn't well educated school-wise. I wasn't confident in terms of reading, never mind reading out loud. I don't think I'd ever finished a book. I'd had a go at The Hobbit, but I don't think I'd finished it. Um, but here I was at the front of a youth fellowship sharing my story of how I became a Christian. And I found a real, what I call God confidence in that, that, that God mm-hmm. had given me confidence and courage to share my story. And so... I think probably six weeks after that, I was asked to speak in a little mission hall, Tamar Street, in East Belfast. And so that's how I really got involved in evangelism. It was like, hey, this thing has changed my life. i got to let people know. It really, really does work. Yeah. Wow. You know what? You come from the same place I have. I gave my life to Jesus in D Street, Street. which is right around the corner from Tamar Street there. They're right beside each other. Absolutely. But look... um, you, ha- you now lead the organization called Crown Jesus Ministries. And w- what is Crown Jesus Ministries all about? Crown Jesus Ministries came about when three Bible college students, uh, I was one of them studying part-time because it was in a fire service. The other two guys were full-time. We felt God calling us to Ireland, the whole island. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you do, you work north and south. Yeah, the whole island. I mean, historically, my... F- Grandfather's from Cavan, my grandmother's from Meath, my father, his early years were, were was a Cavan man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, beyond that, Nick, I was very much like Protestant East Belfast in my culture. Yeah. But as a Christian, God was really broadening my horizons in this. And my first station I served in was in Springfield Road in the west of the city, right on the Peace Line. Um, I was working with guys whose names were Finn Lynch and Fergal McNaughton. They weren't the kind of names that I was familiar with. And God was starting to open me up to just a bigger picture of his love for uh, the whole island. That God doesn't have a Protestant postcode, mm-hmm. as a friend of mine puts it. And um, so we had this heart for like how we could reach Ireland. Reinhard Bunke uh, had a fire conference in Germany. He invited Steve Hill, who was the evangelist during, at that time, it was known as the Brownsville or the Pensacola Revival. Mm -hmm. Over those five years, Steve only left America twice, once to go to Hong Kong, I believe, and once to Germany, to Reinhard Bunke's fire conference. We went to the conference. On the Saturday night, Steve Hill preached on Revelations 3.11, Hold fast to what you now have, that no man may take your crown. C-R-O-W-N. And he really, at that night, I actually asked myself, am I actually saved? You know, I mean, the anointing on Steve Hill, his passion for the lost, was infectious. The following night was Pentecost Sunday, and Reinhard Bunke was calling people and laying hands on them and commissioning them to their nation. He called out the UK and neither of us felt compelled to move at this point. Mm-hmm. But when he called out Ireland, that was our goal. Right. We were the only three Irish at the conference in Germany. And so the three of us went up together. Bunky laid hands on us, commissioned us to Ireland. I remember weeping at the back of the hall, knowing that my life would never be the same. We come back with a vision, but we really didn't know what to do after that. Um, we started with lots of enthusiasm. All we wanted to do was tell people about Jesus and serve the local church. And we thank God that we just tried to stay safe, faithful to that, to see Ireland one for Christ, to reach people for Jesus, to serve the local church. And so here we are now, 20 years later, 
and we thank God we've got 16 staff. In the last 10 weeks alone, we have shared the gospel well over 200 times and seen over 200 people respond to the gospel. So we're passionate for the whole island. If I'm honest with your listeners, Nick, we have, uh, we've probably focused 97% in the north mm-hmm. and not in the republic, but in the last two or three years, we're starting to change that. I think that was like, for us, we needed to figure out how we're going to do this. And, and God has maybe held us graciously back from going and making too many mistakes yeah. in the Republic of Ireland and coming down, beating a Protestant drum, uh, learning vocabulary and language and culture so that I think we're better placed now. Uh, well, there's no doubt we are better placed now to serve the church in the Republic of Ireland in evangelism. Now, I remember uh, it would be a few years ago now we got you to come and speak at one of our national forums that we did for Evangelical Alliance Ireland uh, about cafe churches. And yeah. I know you've been involved with... With pioneering that kind of ministry. Yeah. So, I mean, the heart behind Cafe Churches really comes under that banner of fresh expressions. You know, some of the listeners can look that up online. There's some really good books on fresh expressions, really kind of a Methodist Anglican heart that, that people aren't going to kind of walk into a traditional Anglican church yeah. and find it a home. Typically, sometimes they will, but, but we need to try and find new ways and new paths to invite people from a different culture, a different context, not just in the church, but a relationship with Jesus. So Cafe Church kind of evolved out of like, how can we be more attractional? I suppose you go back, Nick, and say, to be honest, like, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the Presbyterian Church was having little um, coffee bars yeah. for young people. So, so it's nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we could even say that the Presbyterians were pioneering, um, but what we've tried to do is encapsulate that into something that can be more authentic. So we started a, a cafe church in number, numerous places, but one was in County Monaghan, and it's now running five years. It's evolved from being just a cafe church to what we call a missional community. So at Hope Missional Community, on a Tuesday, there is a free lunch and prayer ministry. On a Wednesday, there's an after-schools club. On a Friday, there's a food bank. On a Sunday, there's a little service with a small S. It's uh, very informal. Uh, very, I'm underlining that. And then we run Alpha like, a couple of times a year. We run Nua. Um, and we're just trying to be a fresh expression. Mm-hmm. We aren't like going to be the mother of all churches. We're not even defining ourselves as church. We're a gateway where people can come in and find a home, a hostel to bunk into, a hospital for some healing, um, a place where they can they can feel they belong. Okay. Now, moving into next year, I know you got some training lined up here in the Republic that you're going to be doing on evangelism. Yeah, so we have been running a school of evangelism in the North for the last three years. Uh, that's in partnership with uh, RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. It's accredited by Merlin's College. And we've had a, a number of high-level Uh, evangelists and people who work in that field come and share and equip including Dr. William Abraham one of the leading academic voices in evangelism right the way through to people like Barry Woodward who is an outstanding testimony evangelist Um, so what we've tried to do is take those 23 weeks congest them into something which is more hands-on and take it to the local church. So this little, what we call school of evangelism light is almost like that bigger school on the road 
and we have taken that to numerous churches in the north of Ireland and some in the Republic and the feedback has been very positive. So next year we're going to be much more intentional about how we can serve the church in the Republic of Ireland in evangelism. And we're just here to serve, Nick. We're, we're not coming down like with any swagger of arrogance of our experience or we know best. Evangelism is always about context. Context for the church, what's their capacity as well, but also about listening to our community. How can we answer the questions our culture is asking? I remember someone said to Francis Schaeffer one time, if you have one hour to share the gospel, mm. what would you do? He said, I would take 55 minutes listening and then five minutes to share. Right. He's a good model in that. Yeah. Okay, so if, uh, if churches down here in the Republic would like to contact you and see how they can work with you, learn from you, you can learn from them. Uh, what would be the, would they go contact you through the website? Yeah, yeah. The easiest way to do that is just to go to crownjesus.org or crownjesus.ie and follow the signposts on the website there. Uh, or you can contact the, the office direct via email, info at crownjesus.org. Contact me direct. You can get me on like social media stuff as well, Mitch. Belfast and uh, we're really happy and keen to serve we've got a great team now you know from starting with three of us we now have got 16 staff and, and we're here to serve and not only in evangelism training for adults but for youth and for kids and, and doing evangelism too so if you've got kind of key services coming up that you want uh, an evangelistic focus we want to be able to, to serve you in that environment we want to you know, reach the lost and join and partner with you uh, because the truth is it, that the fields are white on the harvest and Romans 5, 5 says this, that we have this hope that does not disappoint and the world needs hope and we've got it and it's in Jesus. Okay, look, Mitch, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week. I mean, it's a very poignant time because you mentioned about Reinhard Bonge's part in your calling to the evangelistic ministry. And, of course, Reinhard went to be with the Lord just yeah. a few days ago. Um, but thank you for joining us and hopefully refocusing us on this great task we have to reach the world for Jesus. Thank you. God bless, Nick. God bless thank you. you. Thank you, everyone. Okay, I've got David Turner again with me from Church and Chains. Welcome back to the podcast, David. Thank you very much, Nick. Now, we're talking about a country today that has been in the news and the headlines for 20 years now. And we're talking about Afghanistan. And, of course, there's the whole thing with the Taliban and all of that that we know about from the past. And many of us have seen the movie The Kite Runner and give us a little bit of an insight as to what it's like living in that country. But what's it like for the church? Well, that's a very interesting question, uh, Nick. And... Uh, Maybe uh, there are three answers that I could give you in the, the, the next few minutes. One is the Afghan government might say to you, what church? Afghanistan closed, officially closed every church in the country in 2011. So there are no official churches in Afghanistan. It is believed to be 99.7% Muslim. Um, so officially Christianity doesn't exist. It's not welcome. Okay, officially. Af officially. Um, now, let me tell you a second story. Let me tell you about a friend of mine who I met uh, a little while ago. Uh, we'll call him Ahmed. That's not his real name. Okay. Okay, so he's from Afghanistan. 
strict Muslim uh, family, studied uh, Sharia law, um, was a man who was very devout, able to recite the Quran in the mosque, and he decided that Allah wanted him to come to Europe to evangelize for Islam. And you might have a sense of where this is going, but let me tell you how it, what it all happened. So he left Afghanistan. He came to a country in, in Eastern Europe, and he met somebody along the way from his region. And they said, um, would you like to come to church? Now, um, he said, I decided to go to church to see what stupid people had left Islam. He went to the church and what he said to me was, I saw love in the church. Right. That really affected him deeply. Then he began to read the Bible. When I was talking to him, he said, I had studied the Quran, but I preferred the Bible. I started to wish Muhammad was like Jesus. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit was working in well, his life. And then he said to me, the Holy Spirit met me showed me that Muhammad was dead, but Jesus is alive. So, my friend Ahmed is now an evangelist for Jesus. He is working amongst his own people. He is involved in discipleship courses. It all has to be done very quietly, very secretly, because remember we said at the start, there's no official churches in yeah. Afghanistan. But what I can tell you is that there are many Afghans who are coming to trust in Jesus, coming like my friend Ahmed, mm -hmm. from a strict Muslim background. But the key for Ahmed, and the key for many people, seems to be when they see love in action, both in reading the Bible and in the lives of Christians whom they meet. So God is at work in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, who knows at even at what level did you know that the president of uh, Afghanistan's wife is called Rula Ghani and she is a Lebanese Christian? Now, I don't know too much about her okay. and her level of faith, yeah. but isn't it a surprise that uh, she's in a position of power? Time magazine said she was one of the, most, the 100 most influential uh, women in the world. So uh, God is at work in Afghanistan. So, as we always do, let's encourage people to pray for uh, Afghanistan and for believers who are living their life in secret and without the possibility that we have freely in Ireland to wander up to our local church building with a sign outside and go in and worship. They have to take great precautions when they gather mm. together. But let's pray for our brothers and sisters well, there. Well, I think we can get a sense of just how dangerous dangerous it is for them in that not only do you use a false name for him, but you wouldn't even identify the Eastern European country he went to because even little things like that could be could be picked up on and, and people could be exposed to great danger. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I just heard another story from uh, Afghanistan about... Um, somebody trying to make contact and um, with somebody that they thought was a Christian and they asked for a Bible. So they arranged to meet in a public park. Uh, it sounds like a story for a drugs drop-off, yeah. but they agreed to meet in a public park and a couple of minutes before the time that was due, a police vehicle arrived. Uh -huh. It took the Christian who was carrying the Bible, threw him into the back of the van, took him away out of the city and then stopped 
and the driver of the van said, where's the Bible? So the driver of the van was in the police, wanted <laughs> to get a Bible and wanted it to be handed over in a very secret location. Yeah. So God is at work in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, let's pray that many more will come to faith in oh. that country. Oh, yeah, let, let, yeah, we need to pray for that. Amen. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Evangelical Shanaki podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I would just remind you that Evangelical Alliance operates through the support and the contributions of our members. We have churches, we have ministries and organizations, and we also have individuals who are members of EAI. They pray for us, uh, they contribute financially to what we're doing. If you would like to know how to become a member of EAI, I would invite you to visit our website, evangelical.ie. You can see details for churches that membership starts at just 50 euro for the smallest churches right up to 500 euro a year for the largest churches in the nation uh, also for individuals it's just 40 euro to become for a year to become an individual member of EAI so please do check it out our website evangelical.ie may God bless you and uh, speak to you soon as you tune in again for the Evangelical Shanaki Podcast.